worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were made. And then Revelation chapter 5 speaks that He is worthy. That whole section of Scripture speaks about the worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 10, if you're able to stand with me, let's stand as we read a portion of the Word of God. Hadn't it been fun to be in church? I like church, and it's just fun to go to church. It's, it's special to have a family, and just kind of in a crazy world, uh, it's fun to come here where there's a little bit of normal, and just, just being normal here, just being people, and enjoying the fellowship, and enjoying one another, and and just being able, I, I like seeing you, amen. It's good to, good to be present here tonight. Mark chapter 10, we're going to pick up at verse number 32. And it reads, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. So we're going to preach tonight about the road to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. They shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. And so the road to Jerusalem, this is a very important road here in the Word of God that we're going to examine tonight. And Thank you to join me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask the Lord for his help and guidance. And as always, we need to hear from heaven uh, tonight. Father, thank you. Just thank you for the, the fun that we've had in church tonight. Thank you for the fellowship, the, the privilege just of singing uh, these songs tonight. And, and Lord, just this thought that you're worthy. And uh, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship here uh, tonight. And uh, your name is holy. And you will be uplifted, exalted. And I, I pray here tonight, as, as we look at this road to Jerusalem, this very important road, this very important journey, uh, God, that you would teach us and guide us. And, and Lord, make a difference in, in hearts and lives because we've been here tonight. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated uh, this evening. What, what we're going to notice as, as we come to this place in the Bible and uh, from this point forward, really... In the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's headed up toward Jerusalem. Now, I want you to keep your place here in the Gospel of Mark. I'd like you to turn forward with me to the Gospel of Luke, because this is so clearly seen in the Gospel of Luke. I'd like you to turn to chapter 9, and we're going to read several scriptures here in Luke before we go back to the Gospel of Mark. In Luke chapter 9, uh, if you look with me at verse number 28, Luke chapter 9, verse number 28, and it came to pass, about in eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And we know this was the Mount of Transfiguration. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem." I want you to go to the end of uh, the, the chapter, end of chapter 9, uh, verse 51, in verse 51. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go up to Jerusalem. 
and send messengers before his face. And they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So he knows of the impending death and the difficulties coming in his life in Jerusalem. Uh, If you'll turn forward to chapter 13 of the Gospel of Luke in verse number 22, Luke chapter 13 and verse number 22. And uh, he went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And then you go to verse number 31 of Luke chapter 13. And the same day there came of the Pharisees saying unto him, Get thee out and depart hence, for Herod will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, you shall not see me until the time come, when you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now as we're moving closer to the cross, turn forward now to uh, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 11 And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. We go to chapter 18 and verse number 31. Then he took unto him the twelve and said to them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated, spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and the saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. We go to chapter 19 and verse number 10, and this is the story of we little Zacchaeus, and it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added, He spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. In verse 12, he said, Therefore a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he tells then the parable of the talents, the parable in this case of the pounds, And he tells that he's going to go away, going on a far journey, and then he will come back again and hold his servants accountable. Uh, We go to verse number 28 of this chapter. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. See, it was in Jerusalem that Jesus was betrayed. He was beaten. He was there crucified. And as we come to Mark chapter 10, it's very important. You can see this journey towards Jerusalem. Mark chapter 10, once again, where we started uh, here this evening. Mark chapter 10, he's on this road. He's on this path towards Jerusalem. And here in the context of Mark chapter 10, uh, actually, uh, you'll see here the raising, the context is the raising of Lazarus. So we, we come to Mark 10, verse 32, and they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. Now, I want you to go to John chapter 11 now. And keep her place in Mark chapter 10. In John chapter 11, this is kind of the background of our time frame in Mark chapter 10. 
In John chapter 11, uh, we know the, the wonderful account, the raising of Lazarus. It's a beautiful story, one of the great miracles of the Bible, uh, where Jesus uh, called Lazarus forth from the grave. And after he did so, we go to Mark ch or John chapter 11, verse number 47. Uh, then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest, that same year said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation." And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Now that's the context of the journey of the Lord Jesus Christ as he begins to head toward Jerusalem. Now we know that after the raising of Lazarus, he, he took his disciples aside uh, for a period of time. He stayed in that wilderness near Jericho for that unspecified time and then we come to that statement in Mark chapter 10 verse 32 where it says and they were going up to Jerusalem it's the road to Jerusalem and I want to look at that road to Jerusalem tonight I want to give you three thoughts about that road to Jerusalem as we look to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and as I thought about this and just meditated upon this it blessed my own heart uh, here just thinking and preparing and really looking at this road uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, as I think about the road to Jerusalem for the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a road of determination. It's evident here that Jesus was determined in this journey. Uh, as we read many times, verse 32, they were in the way going up to Jerusalem and Jesus went before them. And here is Jesus, he's pressing forward, and I get the picture that they are lingering a bit behind. And it reminded me of a time when I was just a little boy, and we went hunting, went hunting with my dad. We went up into the mountains, and we left early, early in the morning, and we began to trek through the mountains, and uh, we uh, took always uh, some beanie weenies and all of those uh, fun things that we would eat, and the little, uh, the little lunchy things that uh, you'd take, and I took as many sweets as I could take, and uh, we would journey that journey and going up in the mountains, and as we were there, come about noon, I started getting tired, and then the hot sun is getting really, really hot, and uh, that day goes on. On and we're wandering further and further and further away from camp and then finally the time comes dad says we've got to head back toward camp and I can remember heading back toward camp but I was so tired just lingering behind and I thought about these disciples here's Jesus heading toward Jerusalem but they're lingering behind and uh, you know his as as he's pressing on he had his sight set toward Jerusalem the Bible tells us that the disciples were amazed and they were afraid and they followed behind. But Jesus steadfastly as a flint had his face 
toward Jerusalem. And it's evident here as we read the Bible, as we went through the Gospel of Luke, that there was nothing that was going to stop the Lord Jesus Christ as he headed towards Jerusalem. He knows that they've had the council. He knows that Caiaphas has predicted his death. Uh, he knows that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to die. And so he headed steadfastly, continued on that path towards Jerusalem. And what was it that pushed him to Jerusalem? Why was he so determined? Jerusalem. Well, I believe it was his father's will. And he said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And as Jesus headed towards Jerusalem, he's determined to obey his father. Always, in every circumstance, his desire was to glorify his father. And only obedience would glorify his father. And knowing the difficulty, he pressed forward, determined to be obedient to the plan of his father for his life. I think this truth becomes even more clear as we follow Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the night that Jesus was betrayed and he was arrested. Uh, Jesus prayed in the garden, and you're very familiar with this, in Luke chapter 22, verse number 42 saying, My Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And you get the picture in the Garden of Gethsemane that the cross was a heavy burden, but Jesus pressed forward in that burden with determination. And so he pressed forward because it was the Father's will. And I thought about this this afternoon. Uh, we, if we know something to be the will of our Father, we ought to press toward that. If we know something is God's will for our life, we ought to have the determination that Jesus had regardless of the difficulty that might lie before us. We ought to be determined to be in the will of God and to press toward the will of God at all costs, whatever the end result might be. And I've known of and read of many missionaries that gave their life uh, determined to fight and obey the will of God for their life. And so it was the will of his father. But I believe he was determined on this road to Jerusalem because it was for our salvation. Because there was no other way. The sacrifice was required. It must be a blood sacrifice. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. The innocent must die for the guilty. And he was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. He was born for that purpose. He was born to take away the sin of the world. And I think in context of this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, where it speaks of Jesus, that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You think about the joy that was set before him. He was determined to make his way to Jerusalem because at the other end of the cross, that joy set before him, uh, that pressing towards Jerusalem, he saw those, you and I, that would be saved because of that journey to Jerusalem. See, he saw the other side of the cross and he saw the joy of the sacrifice and he saw the joy of salvation he saw the joy of each and every one of you calling upon the name of the Lord. He saw the joy of you being delivered from hell and having a home in heaven. 
And so it was that joy, that determination uh, that set before him this journey towards Jerusalem. It was the Father's will, but it was a journey that was necessary for our salvation. It was a road of determination. Then we think about this journey to Jerusalem. It was a road of self-sacrifice. Again, go back with me to Mark chapter 10. Jesus knew, as he headed toward Jerusalem, what was before him. At the end of verse number 32, he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests, unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, shall scourge him, shall spit upon him, shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. I think if I knew those things, I wouldn't want to go to Jerusalem. It was a journey of self-sacrifice. He knew his purpose. He knew from the beginning. He knew that he was born to die. He knew that he was born to take upon himself the sin of the world. Now they were looking for a king, and I think this is why the disciples didn't grasp that journey toward Jerusalem. Uh, they did not understand uh, what was about to happen, though Jesus time after time after time said, we're going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be uh, betrayed, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be crucified. Uh, he told them over and over, yet they were, I believe, looking for one uh, that was going to deliver them from the Roman Empire. Uh, they were looking for a king. He came to be a servant. They were looking to be delivered from Rome. He gave himself to deliver them from sin. And so this journey to Jerusalem was for the purpose, that sole purpose of laying down his life a ransom for many. And Caiaphas, this wicked high priest, did not know it, but when he made that prophecy that one man should give himself for the nation, uh, God is the one that led him to give the prophecy, though he had no idea what he was expressing and the extent of that. You see, no man took his life. It's evident. It wasn't the Jewish leaders that took his life. It wasn't Caiaphas that took his life. It wasn't Judas that betrayed him, that sent him to the cross. It wasn't Pilate and Herod who refused to have the guts to stand up for an innocent man that sent him to the cross. And it wasn't the Roman armies that scourged him that actually sent him to the cross. See, they didn't have the power to take his life. He's God. He's the one that made them. He's the one that spoke the world into being. It's evident as he headed on this road to Jerusalem that he yielded his life. And this journey to Jerusalem was a journey of self-sacrifice. It's evident at any point he could have called legions of angels. In the Old Testament when Hezekiah prayed, God sent one angel. And in one night that one angel slew 185,000 of the enemy. There was no man that could stand against the Lord Jesus Christ. He could have spoken the word and destroyed a sinful world and entered back into heaven. But he was willing to go to Jerusalem to be arrested, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be spit upon, to be despised and rejected and crucified. 
Because he loves sinners. Because he loved you. The deepest love that you can ever grasp and imagine is that this God that made this world that you've so sinned against would still head towards Jerusalem because he deeply loved you. God committed this love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That road to Jerusalem was a road of determination. It was a road of self-sacrifice, but something else becomes so evident in this passage. That road to Jerusalem was a road of loneliness. See, no other ever faced such a road of loneliness as did the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice in verse 32, Mark chapter 10, the statement there in the middle of the verse, and he took again the twelve. See, those that had been with him for over three years, I think it's evident they, they loved him. But they couldn't see or understand his journey. Of all people, they should have grasped what this road was all about. But they didn't understand. They couldn't see it. They were blinded to it. And in that sense, Jesus was alone. See, he pressed forward, and I think it's, it's evident that in that verse number 32, he went before them, he pressed forward before them, they lingered behind, he was determined, and yet the Bible says that they were amazed. Why would he go to Jerusalem where he was so hated? Why would he go to Jerusalem knowing that Caiaphas had predicted his death? Why would he go to Jerusalem? They were amazed, but they were afraid, and they were uncertain of what was before him. So you might say in this sense that he was alone in that journey. Did you ever feel like nobody ever understood you? Did you ever feel like you saw something, maybe a parent, you, you felt like at some point your children just didn't understand the sacrifice that you had given for their lives? As they followed behind, they were not thinking about what he was about to do. They were thinking of themselves. Look in verse number 35. It says, in James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on the right hand, the other on thy left hand in thy glory. And so they thought perhaps he's going up to Jerusalem to claim his throne, to sit upon the throne of David, to deliver them from the Roman Empire. And Lord, when you go up, would you allow one of us on your right hand, one of us on your other hand? This was their opportunity to rule. Do you see how far they are from what he's about to do? They couldn't understand. He was truly alone, misunderstood by even those that are near him. As they came to Jerusalem, his loneliness continued. We know the story. He was betrayed by Judas, a dear friend, one of the twelve. He warned the remaining apostles in Matthew 26, verse 31, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. He told Peter in Luke 22, verse 34, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. 
In the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And the Bible says he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he spoke to those three, Terry here, and watch with me. He's asking them to pray with him. And yet they slept. He was alone. And that's that prayer we mentioned. Uh, Not my will, but thine be done. If thou be willing, remove this cup from me. He would come and find the apostles asleep while he carried the heavy load, burdened. And when Jesus was arrested, the disciples fled. Luke 22, verse 54, Peter followed afar off. And then while Jesus was facing the trial, we know the account that Peter denied the Lord three times and the cock would crow twice. And then even Peter, the last denial, would curse. What a lonely journey. That road to Jerusalem, it was a lonely, lonely journey. Then in Jerusalem, he was rejected by Jewish leaders. He was condemned to die. He was rejected by his nation, and that nation cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. He was rejected by Herod and rejected by Pilate. They didn't even have the guts to deliver this innocent man. He was rejected by Roman soldiers. They beat him. They mocked him. They crucified him. Uh, He had his beard plucked from his face. He had the crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was rejected by the multitudes. They passed by. They despised him. They ridiculed him. And yet from the cross, this lonely man dying upon the cross looks out and said, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then you think about this, ultimately rejected by the Father. And for the first time, as the wrath of God poured out upon Jesus Christ, Jesus was alone. The Father turned his back on the Son. And the wrath of God was poured upon Jesus Christ. Because he was made to be sin for us. He took your load, your weight, your guilt, your shame, your pain. He took it all. No other man ever suffered such loneliness. That road to Jerusalem was a lonely, lonely road. No other road was ever so lonely. He suffered loneliness that none of us will ever have to suffer. But I want you to think about this tonight. He suffered that lonely road so that we will never have to be alone. He suffered that lonely road so that he could be with us. They said to the apostles after the cross, Lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. He promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He was able to make that promise because he suffered that time on the road to Jerusalem and going to the cross. And there at the cross, he suffered that pain and shame so that we would never have to suffer that. He paid our debt. And he promises... In 1 Peter chapter 5, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God 
that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. I was thinking about that Sunday, Brother Kim, you led us in that song on, on Sunday morning, he careth for you. But all Sunday, that, that thought, he careth for you. And I thought, even in my unworthiness, he still cares. Even when I blow it, he still cares. Even, have you ever felt you made such a mess of something, there was no way that it could ever be put together again? My Comte Dumpty who fell off the wall, and it could never be put together again? but he careth for you. It's because he suffered that lonely road. That road to Jerusalem, it was a road of determination. He set his face like a flint to fulfill the will of the Father. He set his face like a flint because it was the only hope of your salvation. That road to Jerusalem was a road of self-sacrifice. He knew what would happen when he got to Jerusalem but he laid down his life. He gave himself for us. And it was a road of loneliness. Nobody understood the weight and the load that he would carry. And he would carry that load all the way to the cross. But let's just finish with this thought tonight. He went that road because on the other side of the cross was the resurrection. And that was the victory overall. I'd like our heads bowed, eyes closed.